0: We have the second of three major champions crowned, and we return back to an old league, as well as some news on this episode of the Bauer Report podcast. Alright, we are back again episode number 134 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will. We have some news, we got some baseball to talk about, and then we got some more fun stuff at the very end. So, it's going to be a nice little week.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a nice little week, a first week without the American Association, and, you know, part of me is sad about that. Yeah. Still, still plenty to talk about, the champion being crowned in the Frontier League, Uh, atlantic league playoff races starting heating up there's still a good amount to talk about because it's weird you get into um you get into october now it's so rare that there's like an 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 indie ball regular season still going on yeah Uh, but you know that's what makes this year kind of weird in a lot of ways
2: oh
0: absolutely that's just that's just the fun part about this year is everyone started late so everybody went later now we're gonna have possibly atlantic league baseball throughout the rest of the month and that in right. of itself has, as at least, positive for us. So at least we'll have something to talk about. Even though I know we haven't really spent too much time on the Atlantic League this year, we're going to get well acquainted with it uh, rather quickly. As what the regular season ends in about two weeks, give or yep. take. Yeah. So yep. the playoffs are going to probably run through the rest of the month. So that'll be fun at least, and also makes. The off-season a lot easier on us. It cuts out about a whole month, so that's always a positive.
1: And we do, we do not mind the off-season being cut out for about a month, that's for sure.
0: Oh, God, it makes life so much easier. So, so much easier. Yep. With that said, we still do have regular season content to get to, so we should probably get on that. We'll start with uh, at least one of the two real pieces of news. We'll lump the other one in when we talk about the Atlantic League itself. Uh, and the first piece of news we're starting off with is... The news about the Cleburne partnership. So Cleburne announced a partnership with the Sydney Blue Sox of the Australian Baseball League this past week. The Blue Sox will send players to the Portland Pickles, kind of like almost a minor league team of uh, the Cleburne Railroaders, but they're owned by the same group, essentially, or at least this crossover in the ownership there. So it's a partnership that works with Portland as well, seeing as the two seasons do not overlap. Uh what's our winter is the summer for Australia. So they play ball down there then. And then what is their winter is our summer. So then I suppose that's how this works out with that partnership with that kind of player exchange. If it were to be that there's other elements, including off season and off the field elements as well to this partnership. All in all, the press release was kind of vague on it. it. It really didn't give you much detail. Uh, I really want to try and get more on that. Perhaps we'll try and get someone from the Railroaders on to go into more depth about that and also talk about their season in a, in a couple of weeks. But as of for right now, that's what we know about this partnership. It's kind of a curious one. And I do wonder if it winds up being similar to the uh, type of partnership we saw between the Rocky Mountain vibes and the, uh, the Mexican team.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's similar to that one in a lot of ways. At least my best guess, at least what it sounds like, um, is that a lot of the younger Australian players over uh, over in Sydney and with the Blue Sox will get to will get a chance to come to the U.S. and play during the summer here, which uh, it's certainly it's certainly a good thing. Um, although it says, uh, of course, one of the opportunities for the Blue Sox is to send promising youth players to the Portland Pickles to play in the wild wild west league this summer i don't really know what that is
0: yeah if i remember right because i do remember hearing about this league it's i don't want to call it a circuit league because i'm not sure that's exactly the correct terminology for it but it is kind of like a miniature league that's up in that greater pacific northwest region
2: Wait,
1: is that the one that Salem-Kaiser does?
0: No, 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 no. That, that's a different league, that's the Maverick oh, wait, that's League.
1: that's the Maverick League, how'd that go this year? I have no idea.
0: Uh, if I remember right, the Campsinos basically crushed everybody, they were like 33 and 17, something like oh, that. Oh, goodness. Then they kind of steamrolled their way to a championship, and the Portland Maverick team that they were really promoting very hard and heavy, uh, wound up doing okay. A lot of the teams were basically 500 if not far below 500 so it really it, I suppose this put it. it was entertaining if you were in the area and you were looking for something to do but it was not the kind of league that we would be covering uh religiously to put that lightly uh but sure. yeah yeah but the wild wild west league if my knowledge is kind of like uh I don't want to say similar deal because they're not four teams in the same stadium but it is uh not too dissimilar from that
1: Okay, I mean, listen, it, it's definitely good on the part of Sydney, uh, right? You get yeah. to send, you get to keep some of your younger players playing all year round uh, in Australia. Uh, that's certainly a plus. Um, and then again, it's kind of unclear. Uh, I know, I for, for sure, the Australian Baseball League and the American Association already have a working partnership in, in so many ways, mm-hmm. but. I mean, does this mean that Cleburne could send some of their players to Sydney? Like, um, it th- I would think that that could be a part of it, but it doesn't really say that.
0: Yeah, like, that that's the confusing part about all of this. And just one last thing, the Wild Wild West League. It is a four-team kind of little circuit league in Portland, uh, Oregon. And they actually revived the old Portland Rosebuds. I believe that was a Negro League team logo, too. Very, very nice little thing here. So, just want to clear that up quickly but yeah no I I don't know how that would work seeing as the players really like they kind of have their own like Aussie ball assignments and I can't imagine you'd be willing to sign a contract with an American Association League team if it also meant you were signing with the Winter League team it just seems like the kind of thing you wouldn't exactly be willing to do unless you're you're confident in or you're not sure, rather, you're not confident in uh, your ability to get another Australian league job or a job elsewhere. But it, it, that seems like it'd be very messy if you're dealing with two separate countries with contract law. It just seems like it gets real messy, so I'm not sure exactly how that player exchange would work.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's the only way that I guess I really could see it making, it providing a lot of benefits for Cleburne. Uh, but, I mean, I guess the partnership, in essence, can't really be a bad thing. It's just an opportunity to get uh, those younger Australian players uh, to play on U.S. soil, maybe even in front of, uh, of Major League Scouts if they're that good. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Hopefully there's more information that comes out about this. But I think, like, there's so many partnerships now in ball, and, like, there's not a lot of information on all of them. Uh, I just hope this one doesn't kind of fall into that
0: pile. I I almost feel like a lot of times these partnerships, and I guess part of the the deal for Cleburne too, is you're expanding your brand internationally. And they've certainly pumped a lot of effort into the social media aspect. They've certainly dumped a lot into the revamp of the logo and the branding and just kind of taking it in a new strange direction, as some would say. I personally like it. But regardless of that fact, uh, I just, I feel like a lot of times they just kind of rush out the announcement before all the details are figured out. And then it leaves people like us going, well, we want to talk about it. We want to go into more depth about it. We want to explain it, but we don't really have any information to explain it with. And it's like, I'd like to have at least a handful of details, you know?
1: Yeah, that'd be nice in order to talk about it.
0: Exactly. Like, I'm not saying you got to announce everything, but at least give me like more than what we got here but in any case like you said well it is something to watch and hopefully we'll get more on it but on that note we do have the frontier league we do need to wrap up so i suppose we should probably wrap that up no let's do it all right so we last left you going into game four of the frontier league championship series the washington wild things were up two to one on the schomburg boomers and as we spent a large chunk of the show going, we, we talked about, it, we dissected it all, and then right before we got out, we quickly threw out our predictions. I believe we both said Washington. I know I said Washington in five. Yeah. And I was feeling pretty good about that going into game five, because game four, which is where we're going to start, was a 3-1 to Schaumburg victory. Uh, It was a pretty good game, back and forth. Schaumburg put up two in the third, one in the fourth. Then Washington's back with one in the eighth. And seeing as Washington's that kind of a team where it's like, okay, all they need is one run to really get going, the ninth inning was still pretty back and forth because you weren't sure how that was going to go. Rob Whalen looked pretty solid in his seven innings of work, struck out nine, three earned runs, he had a quality start. You know, you, you can't ask for much more than that out of him. B.J. Sobel uh, He uh goes for two innings, allows three base runners, strikes out two. You know, solid performance from him on the Washington side. But the problem for them was uh, Martinez was just next level. Eric Martinez went for seven innings, allowing one run, four walks, four hits, eight strikeouts. Solid performance out of him. Schneider came in, took care of part of the eighth. And then Daryl Thompson took care of the rest of the 8th and the ninth to end everything there. Different Daryl Thompson for those uh, keeping track at home. But, yeah, all in all, it was a really back-and-forth kind of game. There was, uh, at no point did you feel like either side really had a firm control on it, but not because of anything they did, just because of the fact that uh, it was such an evenly matched game for.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a really, really well-played game. Uh, throughout a, a low-scoring game, an awesome, awesome pitcher's duel. Uh, I mean, Rob Whalen kind of ran into some trouble uh, in that in the, those third and fourth innings, which is where he gave up those three runs. But overall, he settled down and threw a really, really nice ball game uh, for Washington. And and he's one of the better pitchers in the Frontier league. He's got major league experience. Um, he, he's I believe he's got AAA experience this year as well. Yes, he does, um, and. And so, I mean, he did his job, going seven innings, three runs. I mean, you got to take that uh, if you're Washington. It's just Eric Martinez was just that much better. They turned to him with Raschamburg season on the line, and he absolutely delivered. He was brilliant against a really good Washington team on the road. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that. Uh, and I mean, look, I mean, him able being able to get through seven innings at 118 pitches. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a a bulldog if I've ever seen one. Uh, an absolute gamer. And that, it was just huge. He was able to really keep Washington at bay, turn to Snyder for two outs in the eighth, and uh, and then to Daryl Thompson for a four-out save to really lock that down and force a game five. But, I mean, yeah, Eric Martinez, absolutely the star of the game for Schomburg And honestly, probably the biggest reason why um why they have a trophy at the moment because this is because they needed to win this game this is an elimination game and uh, eric martinez absolutely delivered for the boomers
0: yep and one other important thing of note from game four at this point during the game braylon jackson had also gotten injured and was taken out of the game he dislocated a bone status was questionable going into game five. and game five, we all kind of knew what the pitching matchup was going to be. It was going to be pitcher of the year Ryan Hennon versus Kyle Arjona. And it was going to be, we all thought, a very close game, probably another low-scoring game, because to be blunt, there really hadn't been too much scoring uh, to this point in that series. You had a 4 nothing game, a 6-5 game, a 2-3 game, a 3-2 game, and then you... We're coming into game five. So, I mean, I suppose you could argue game two was high scoring. Eleven runs is not, you know, low scoring. But outside of that, everything else was pretty much where you expect to be. Four or five runs between the two teams. So, low scoring between the two pitchers was a fair expectation. And yeah,
1: it, it was a fair expectation and it did not happen.
0: Exactly. Right from the get-go, it just didn't pan out. It, this game also was fairly quick moving for a 10-4 final. Uh, which you'll figure out who had the 10 and who had the four very quickly here. Two hours, 44 minutes. Well, the game was moving at a pretty good clip, to be quite honest. Interesting, yeah. yeah. For a game with that kind of uh, scoring, you can't complain about that kind of uh, pace there. But yeah, very, very early on, it, the scoring got started. Chase Dawson made out number one, but then you can see Neaporte. He uh, gets a base hit. Then Braxton Davidson a base hit, then another out, and then a three run shot by Matt Bader. And yeah, I mean, there was just downhill from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Henen just really, and it was it. a rare, a rare bad outing for him. But the biggest spot in a winner take all uh, game five, but Henen just really didn't have it. Yeah, um, and I, I thought the, as far as like letting him try to figure out, figure it out. It was okay. He only ended up going two innings, but yeah, he he really just just didn't have it in the in this game five. And Schaumburg, with an offense that had been you know pretty quiet for most of the series, mm-hmm. and they they just jumped all over him and really, I, I mean, by the fourth inning, really put this game out of reach.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about this is you were expecting low scoring, like I've been saying, and then it just they just went off. I mean. Like you said, well, by the fourth inning was basically done. It was an eight to one ball game and it was pretty clear that this is this is not gonna go Washington's way. They were gonna again, for the fourth time, make it to a championship game and not win, which I gotta imagine is frustrating as hell. But yeah. at the same time it's still a good season. But when you run Henning out there, he doesn't have a good start, okay, that happens. Postseason ERA jumps up to five six five. Then you run Darren Osby out there, he does basically the same thing. Two innings, five hits, four earned runs. Only strikes out three guys this time. His yeah. postseason year rate jumps to over 8.7. So it's... uh It wasn't a good day for two of your better pitchers on the staff. The bullpen, by and large, did a good job. Kevin McNorton allowed two, but I still view him more as... Even though I know he's been used as a reliever for basically the whole year. I still view him as a starting pitcher. Because I just think of him with Tri-City and you know being a starting pitcher so the kind of traditional starters did not do their job and uh, the bullpen guys did but uh, as far as Washington goes there was some offense late in the uh, ninth but I just kind of attribute that to um, Jamie Bennett saying to Kyle Arjuna this is your game to finish and letting him go for it Uh, and Kyle Arjuna threw great he was doing really good, 113 pitches to get through nine innings. Three earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, five hits, four runs. But honestly, that stat line's a bit... Uh, I don't want to say a bit misleading, but it kind of is because those three runs in the ninth, not only did they mean absolutely nothing, they just more or less came about because he couldn't get that last out. If he could have right. gotten the last I- out, it, it would have been a much different looking stat line.
1: Exactly, and I think that he was probably getting a little tired near the end, and yeah. he just he was just trying to finish the game. And I mean, listen, if this game was closer; he would not have been in to finish it.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, no. that's
1: that that's a, a pretty much a certainty. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he was he was absolutely brilliant in this game, um, doing what he's done for Schaumburg pretty much the entire year, uh, and kind of just pitching the weak contact, which is really how he. Dominated this Washington lineup for eight innings, um, and you know in the ninth, definitely some fatigue, but that is, is of course a little uh, to be expected, a little bit. Uh, but by that time, the game was out of reach. You're just looking for him to throw strikes. He did, and um, and Schomberg was able to come home with the title. Just like, I mean, that's baseball. I mean, the yeah. the Schomberg offense has been quiet, and they just absolutely exploded against. Against Henan and like their and uh, and Osby and that's just not something we saw coming. But in, in baseball, in one game, I mean, stuff like that happens. And the Boomers lineup exploded. And the team that I mean, let's be honest here, we all kind of rode off going into the playoffs. Yeah, uh, they played in a weak division, and, and Schomburg at the end of the day had to play Florence, who was coming out of the best division in the Frontier League. And it's just not something that we saw and that we saw coming that they would end up hoisting the trophy at the end of the year, but credit to them uh, because they really stepped up when they needed to a lot of timely hitting as well. Maybe the, maybe all the runs uh, weren't there, but timely hitting, which in the playoffs is so, so important. They were able to get the pitching they need. I mean, our was in the playoffs, just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, just unbelievable for for Schaumburg and at the end of the day it was enough for them to um, to hoist up the trophy at the end of the season so congratulations to them and uh, definitely a tough loss for Washington but a great season for them as well but uh, but the boomers really really surprised people in the playoffs.
0: Oh, absolutely they did. Carlo did did exactly what he needed to do. I mean but even that game, five, and there's a reason why he was named uh, Frontier League Championship Series MVP. Uh, he earned that entirely at one point four, 1.52 uh, postseason ERA. We'll do that for you. But that last game there, he was rocking under 90 pitches in the eighth inning. And I mean, he came into the 10th inning underneath 100. So I totally see why he was given the reins. And like you said, it was, the game was out of reach. That's why we got to finish that game. So, They just really, like, you just basically said everything. Well, they got timely hitting when they needed to. Their pitching staff stepped up when they needed to. And, I mean, it only took them four games to get through a Florence team that we kind of assumed, all right, they'll win it easy. And we got kind of the final we didn't expect, per se, but it was a good final we went five games and schomburg did a lot to kind of i guess prove us wrong this series i think it's safe to say we both kind of expected washington to win this when we looked at the four teams in the postseason with the possible yeah. uh, quebec win or florence win even uh
1: yeah
0: i think that's kind of where we were at and obviously as it turns out none of the three won so that's that's kind of how it goes
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, it, just, it really just like the timely hitting and really good pitching. And that's, what, that's how Schaumburg is, uh, that's how they've been successful all year. And they, they didn't change their formula now. Um, and they were able to 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 win the to really win the game that they needed to. Uh, and so it re- puts a put bow on what was an absolutely bonkers frontier league season. That's for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. There was a lot of drum the whole way through. Uh, off the field, on the field, quasi off the field, I guess, too, between managers and whatnot. And we finally got kind of a taste of what a full frontier league will look like. Obviously, 2022 is the year we're all looking forward to when we'll have Ooh. the full, what is it, 14 team slate now because we'll have Ottawa and both Quebec teams back. We'll have everybody in tow, and we'll go back to the way it should be with just the two conference set up here. We'll get our four teams from each conference, I think it is, if I'm not mistaken, or is it just the two teams from each? We'll be able to see a lot more, I guess, interesting way of how the postseason will wind up playing out in 2022. Because if if it were to play out that way, I'm curious here, so I'm going to have to pull the standing page back up here just to take a look at it real quick but i am curious to know what uh in a regular season what, what would have been the postseason
1: yeah that's interesting
0: because it's pretty, yeah,
1: that's an interesting question
0: yeah because for the most part it, the central and the west were your western conference and then the can-am conference was the atlantic and the northeast so it would have won see that was See, here's where things get kind of trickier because the Quebec would have been the second team to make it. Washington and Kip are the best two teams in that conference. That said, yeah. there's a lot of kind of curveballs here because technically, it keeps like two teams merged together. Sussex kind of threw in the towel towards the very end there once they were eliminated. So perhaps they don't do that if they know we're only like three or four games out of a playoff spot with like. I don't know, uh, two weeks to play, ten days to play. Then there's, of course, Tri-City there that probably has a different mindset, too, if they're running down a wild card. As far as postseason goes, what's kind of funny, if it was a regular season, Schaumburg wouldn't have made the postseason.
1: Oh, my goodness. It would have been <laughs>
0: Florence and Evansville that would have made the postseason.
1: Uh, as it, I guess, should have been, you could make the argument. You could, man, I wonder
0: how that series would have wound up going. Like does Florence get the win in that one? Then if Florence gets the win in that one, obviously we know how uh, Quebec and a Washington series would have turned out because we saw it.
2: But yeah,
0: but yeah, that that's a fun what if there. So in case it wasn't bad enough, Washington fans, you can live with that information now.
1: Oh, that Schaumburg wouldn't have made the playoffs in yeah, the whole year. Exactly. Oh.
0: I guess we've talked about the Frontier League enough. We'll go to the Atlantic League now. We're going to start off with a little bit of rebranding news, and then we will go into actual baseball discussion. Uh, West Virginia, they finished their rebrand. We said they were going to be the Dirty Birds. They are, in fact, the Dirty Birds. They chose that over Roughnecks and River Toads. Again, I think they picked the weeks of the three names. They went with the logo they they showed or was leaked or was teased, however you want to put that. Uh, a couple of weeks back, it looks like a canary with a backpack, or piloting a starfighter, or something along those lines. It's it's a logo and a name that's caught a lot of heat. We went over that, like I said, about a month ago now, uh, when they first kind of announced the rebrand and Dirty Birds was the name that came out. People aren't happy about it. Frankly, I think they could have went with a better name. But as I said in the past, it it's a name. It's not going to deter anyone from showing up at the ballpark, and it's kid friendly. I'm not a fan of it, but hey, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, the rebrand's officially done. The uniform so far has been a little bit lacking, though. I will say.
1: Yeah, that that's been my main issue with it. Um, at the end, of, at the end of the day, a name is a name. Uh, but I agree. I think the uniforms have been kind of eh so so far. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, as far as as far as the choices, I definitely wanted Charleston Charlies. Yeah. I understand why they didn't do it. Hmm. I, I get it. As far as the logo and you don't want a guy with a cigar or whatever.
2: Yeah. Which, um mm.
1: I mean, I, I I at least I can see that argument. I see, um, yeah, I
0: see it's just I don't really agree with it. Plus, you could always just redo the logo without the cigar in the baseball's mouth.
1: Yeah, you would you would you would feel like it's it wouldn't be that hard to yeah. to figure out but i, I don't know I, the charleston dirty birds like okay it, it, uh, it it's definitely not would not have been my choice um i think the logo is a little cartoonish um i'm just not yeah. just not too much not too much of a fan i don't doubt that some people will want to buy uh, by merchandise of uh, uh, there, I don't think there's any doubt that they had to get rid of West Virginia Power.
2: Oh yeah, no, no doubt had about to it. No do,
1: doubt about
0: it. Yeah, I do wonder why they decided to do it like four fifths of the way through a season. That is, yeah, really, that really was curious. odd. And they announced well, all this stuff on a Tuesday, like that just never, that doesn't make sense to me. Like I would assume you'd want to, a, do that kind of a rebrand, you know, to start off a season or do it in the midway mark of a season. Just because it seems like it would confuse a lot of people going, oh, what happened to the power? Oh, well, they're this name now. Oh, well, we didn't know that. It's like, oh, yeah. may- maybe you just want to have like a full off season to promote it. Like that just seems like a wiser decision.
1: Yeah. And Instead then of we had two weeks.
0: Yeah. Even more than that, though, if you're going to do it in the middle of the season, you would think you'd do it on a weekend.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't that make sense? Like, okay, let's yeah, the do bigger, it. Yeah, bigger, bigger crowd if you're going to reveal it or whatever.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you did it during a double header. I'm not sure why it was done that way. To me, at least, I, I would assume that a double header crowd is not as large just because not as many people are interested in it. But it just seems like a very odd decision. A double header on a Tuesday for the second game you're gonna announce it. I understand like you wanna this is our last game see our last game is the power and our first game is the dirty birds. I get that whole element of it, but it just it doesn't seem to make sense to me. It's like, okay, we'll do this on a Friday or a Saturday when you're gonna have a bunch of people at the ballpark while you're unveiling brand new merchandise that you're gonna be able to sell to people.
1: Right. I think that would have made a lot more sense doing it doing it on a weekend where they have a decent amount of people attending the game, like a weeknight doubleheader. Like, I don't know. Like it's, it's a curious decision. Um, certainly no doubt about it. They had to get rid of the West Virginia power because it won. It just does. It's not, it's very, it's very bland. You kind of want to get away from, I, I understand that you want to like, Oh, like we're still the power, even though we're not in the, we're not an affiliated team. I can get that. Uh, but I think that's uh, I, I think the West Virginia Power is not really a very indie ball name uh, yeah. at all. I think you also want to kind of get rid of the state. Yeah. Of the state. I don't. Re- I don't really like that. Yeah. Uh, localization's
0: but, way more important in independent league baseball. You want the region. There. Absolutely. There's a reason why it's and, Southerns in front of Maryland for the Blue Crabs. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I know uh, the the Dirty Birds. I. I was not a not a huge fan of it. I think we both wanted just to go back to the Charleston Charlies. Think it would have been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the fans would have liked it. Uh, but you know, we got the Dirty Birds. So
0: yeah, so that's yeah. that's where it is. And uh, there is one other point to this move I want to make because I just thought of this. They announced all this on a school night for a logo. that's clearly geared more towards kids. How many parents are taking their kids to a baseball game on a Tuesday night when they got to school the next day?
1: Not many. Especially Not many when it's all. a doubleheader. Yeah. Yeah, especially when it's a doubleheader and especially when Atlantic League games take like five hours to play.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, it just seems like such a bad idea. Like, honestly, if you're going to do that, you got to make sure there's a day game the following day. That's like kind of a, a school outing day. So that sure. way well, you got all that new logo and branding and stuff. And you can take advantage of all the kids with their field trip money.
1: Oh, yeah. Like the 11, 1105 game. or Exactly. That, that would make that make a lot of sense. You're right.
0: Now that That's what you got to do if you're going to do this rebrand like that.
1: <sighs> yeah. But I, just like a, a 4 p.m. doubleheader. Like, yeah. <sighs>
0: oh, it's just not, not a great decision there. But I do like the... Uh, the one thing from Trek domino explaining the nickname this is in the video that they put out to announce everything it it, it's kind of an interesting wording to describe the canaries in the coal mine thing so i'm just going to read it real quick and then we'll kind of move on because i think after this we'll we'll have talked it to death but i do want to read this because it's kind of funny in the early 1900s canaries were employed in coal mines to detect methane gas to determine whether or not it was safe for coal miners to proceed. These canaries risked their lives for the coal mining industry in West Virginia. It was a dirty job, but these birds were up to the task. Ladies and gentlemen, on this day in the state capital of Charleston, West Virginia, we proudly honor these great little creatures who played such an important role in West Virginia's coal mining industry. Some sacrificed their lives. These birds emerged from the mines weary, covered in coal, dust, to signal... To coal miners that it was safe to proceed, and now here they are, fans representing the West Virginia coal mining heroes, your professional baseball team, the Charleston Dirty Birds. I think it was more than just some canaries that died. I think it was the vast majority of them that died. And well, least,
1: not only that, but but is also acting like the the canaries were like they were given yeah, a choice. You know what, yeah, yeah, the canaries are like you know what? I'm going to put my life on the line. And uh, and, I, and I'm gonna go in there. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if it went like that.
0: Yeah. It's like the. This isn't like the the Stan Island responders that we may have. This is. Uh, these are birds that they cut and put in a cage and then threw deep into a mine to see if the thing
1: died. I mean, they're very brave. I mean, like they, they're fearless when they were thro- when they were thrown into the mine. Yeah, it, it's kind of like.
0: If you were, had an area that was like heavy into like meat pack packaging and like slaughterhouses, insane. These brave cattle gave their lives <laughs> so that way we can have food on our plates. They willingly sacrificed themselves. It's like I don't think the cow decided was, to get a nail uh, shot it was, into its forehead.
1: A self, a selfless cow.
0: Yeah, it's selfless hero. These a selfless
1: hero, so I could eat my double quarter pounder.
0: And without them, how else would we be able to have a dollar menu?
1: I know. Oh like, goodness. I, that and then and also, they said and uh, Yeah. And and the, and then they said uh and and then the and then the cows said, Don't worry, you can only sell me for a dollar. I'm also sacrificing that. Everyone claps.
0: Yeah. Don't worry, you can take me cheap. <laughs> but yeah. It, then that's that's what, a good comparison. Yeah, it just seems it seems like that's that's at least how I look at it. But yeah, that and then uh, I, my understanding was always that they didn't free the bird; that they left the bird in the cage and kind of left the cage by, uh, by wherever the miners were working. So that way, if you stopped hearing the bird, you go, "Okay, someone look at the bird." And if the bird was lying on the cage floor. You go, "Time to leave." Time to go. Yeah, that was always my understanding of how that worked. Now, of course, I'm in New Jersey, that you know has not had a robust coal mining industry since like 1850. And even then, it's only like a quarter of the state that really did that. The rest of the state was really like farming or commerce. So yeah. I wouldn't know much about coal mining. But yeah, the, I don't either. at the same time, it's just I don't think they were like, OK, so Jeb, we're going to need you to walk deep into that coal mine with that bird. Then you're going to put the bird down, open the cage and see if the bird flies out or not. It just doesn't seem like how that would work, because, of course, the bird would try to fly out. And if the bird flies deeper in. How are we going to know if the bird's alive or dead?
1: Brave birds.
0: I know these are heroes, really heroes.
1: Absolutely. But
0: we got baseball to talk about because I will say these dirty birds or power or power slash dirty birds, the powerful, dirty birds, the powerful birds. Yeah. They had a terrible first half and now mm-hmm. they're doing very good in the second half. 33 and 18. Me- Three and a half clear of high point. High point's in the wild card spot. And Long Island's in the first place in the north. So while I appreciate the snark from uh Southern Maryland last week, which, you know, they weren't subtle about it. They directly quoted me saying that their team's not hot right now. Um you're still on the outside looking in, guys. I appreciate the snark though, very funny. But um Hey,
1: no blue crab slander. We love Pinch. Well, shout out James. He loves yeah. pinch. Yeah. Although I love pinch too. Hey, I could not love? Do you pinch.
0: want a pinch shirt too? Because we could Ooh. probably work something out with that.
1: I would certainly not decline a pinch the blue crab shirt.
0: Christmas is coming, my friend. Remember mm. that. But,
1: okay. but yeah, but yeah. The the blue crabs. They're not. They're they're not playing great baseball of now of yet. But again, you got at the moment in the North Division. You have the Ducks in first. Um, with a game-and-a-half lead uh, over Southern Maryland, York 3-back, and the Barnstormers six and a half. Barnstormers are about done, I guess you could say. Um, well, but, I
0: mean, with an ERA of 7-13. Oh, they're not in worst. They're not worst. They're Gastonia. holding up. Gastonia. Gastonia's just edging them out. That's right. so slightly. But, yeah.
1: Uh, but, I, I don't know. It's just you, you always wonder with Long Island down the stretch is – do they really care about winning the winning the second half title? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, uh, I don't, I don't I don't know I don't know if they care a whole lot. They started I mean the Ducks started the second half very bad, but yeah. they play they got red hot, uh, and then now they're playing kind of pedestrian baseball at the moment. Granted, they just had to play a ten game road trip down south, not easy. Yeah. Uh, they played they played a really tough schedule while they were down there, uh, so. I certainly did not expect them to come out of that uh, like that ten game road trip seven and three or whatever. Yeah. That that that's kind of unrealistic. Uh, but the, the Ducks are still playing good baseball. I mean the blue crabs certainly in it. Uh, but yeah. I think if, if anybody's a, a big Long Island Ducks fan right now, it's the High Point Rockers.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, honestly, if I was selling Island, I'd look at my possible playoff matchups and go, so my choices are either High Point or Southern Maryland, and then make a very realistic decision here of, do we really care about winning the North in both, both halves here, or do we rather play Southern Maryland over High Point? If you prefer to play High Point, that's fine. That's a decision that you can make. But High Point seems to have gotten a lot better in the second half they're 8 games above 500 in the second half. They seem to be coming on strong. They have a firm control over the wild card at the moment. So it seems like Southern Maryland's going to kind of need the Ducks to lag off. If I was the Ducks, I'd almost want to lag off cuz I'd much rather play Southern Maryland if I'm being entirely honest as opposed to
1: high yeah. point at the moment. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I don't think I don't think there's any doubt about that of, of who if I were if I was the Ducks who I would rather play. Uh, now of course, facing Daryl Thompson isn't easy. Yeah. Uh, but Daryl Thompson can only throw twice. So, um, uh, he's pitching so for
0: Gastonia. If he's pitching for Gastonia, he can pitch three times in five days.
1: Oh uh, no, would he, be. he In fact, I think if you were if you were yeah you're right if you were pitching for Gastonia it'd be every other day it would be a Daryl Thompson nine inning day or a not Daryl Thompson day where they would just try to figure out how to get through nine innings and then go back to Daryl the next day. Now that being said, I think Daryl Thompson could do it because he does not because he just has a rubber arm.
0: Yeah, the, the man's a robot, is what he is. He's just like He's a
1: freak of nature. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't know how he does it. He's honestly he is to Atlantic League pitching what Lou Ford is to Atlantic League batting. You don't really understand how they're able to do it, but they just find a way to do it.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that I think that's definitely true, and I think we'll see. Daryl Thompson pitching for the Blue Cross when he's
0: 45. You know, I want to see that. I really want to see. It be incredible. That. It would be. I mean, could you imagine, like, a 55-year-old Lou Ford going up against a uh, 45-year-old Daryl Thompson?
1: That'd be that'd be battle, a battle for the ages, for sure.
0: That'd and and then Daryl the Thompson
1: still still goes for 135-pitch-complete game.
0: He still throws a Maddox, just like nothing.
1: Yeah. That too, that too. But uh, I think uh, back to the point. I know the yep. I know the Ducks for sure. Uh, if if they were to have their choice, they they would pick Southern Maryland uh, over a, a very talented high point team that is playing a lot better. But I mean, which uh, honestly speaks to how well yep. Charleston has played in the second half, uh, for sure. Mm. But I, I think that the um, that, that that's going to be an interesting race to see. Of course, the Blue Crabs going all out for it. The Ducks will see how they play. I mean, a lot of the Ducks remaining schedule, I believe all of it actually in the, in the regular season is either York or Lancaster. So,
0: so that's definitely a big the, help for them.
1: If if the Ducks are playing to win, that's going to help. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's certainly going to help and not going to help uh, Southern Maryland. And I assume I, I'd have to, I'd have to check for sure. Uh, okay. But if Southern Maryland potentially has a, a Southern road trip left, if, the ducks are playing York and Lancaster all the time. Let's I
2: see, they do. We'll
1: double check that now. Yeah. They do have a sub. That would make sense. Three well, and high, point playing and at four high Point, in point this thing. weekend.
0: Yeah, three and oh, four. Oh boy, that's not an yes. easy. Tr- oh, God, so, they got six to, straight against High Point.
1: To finish the yeah to finish the season, Southern Maryland has three at High Point, then three at home against High Point, and then three against Lexington t- or four against Lexington to end the season. Sorry with a doubleheader in that second game of the series on that Saturday. That is not fun.
0: Yeah, that's Um, a significant task there. I don't think Lexington's that hard of a task, though. They have not played well in the second half, but even still.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, six against high point, certainly certainly not ideal, Um, and those are massive games for high point,
2: Mm. obviously.
1: I mean, if they can, if they can put away Southern Maryland, that essentially gives them a playoff spot. Not, not in the sense that they'd be that they're leading the wild card as they probably will stay that, uh, stay there. But the more important thing is to make sure Southern Maryland doesn't win the North Division title.
0: Yeah, I think honestly, uh, a three and three split does that. Y-
1: you think? I think I mean, it does because did
0: you see who high points playing to end of the year? Three games set against Lancaster uh, or Lancaster. Yeah. Three and three probably doesn't. Because even with the Legends playing poorly, they're not, they're still a better team than the Barnstormers are.
1: I don't know, though. A game and a half is still not much.
0: But this is, again, Southern Maryland that has kind of this habit of building up hope and then doing nothing with it. They're kind of almost, I don't want to call them the Mets of the Atlantic League, but they kind of give me that kind of vibe without the off the field stuff, just kind of on the field. So I guess almost more like the angels where it's like this team should be better than it is, but instead sure. they're just going to languish at about 500.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's again, they could, they're certainly capable of getting hot, but at least the schedule down the stretch is certainly uh, in favor of the Long Island Ducks. Uh, and well, how hard will the ducks play? I, I think they'll, they'll certainly play to win at the end of the day. These guys are, uh, these guys are are trying to play for contracts for next season, um, which is, which is definitely important. But um, yeah, I I think that it's certainly like most likely that the ducks will take the North division title. They'd play high point and man, that is a fun series. Yeah. And then with Lexington and Charleston, I mean, uh, let me just say this. Those were my four playoff teams at the beginning of the year yeah Uh, long island high point charleston and lexington now how we got there is not how i thought we would get there but we we, uh we could end up getting
2: there
0: yeah it uh it was a very odd uh, odd trip to get to that point because i remember we both agreed on the playoff teams we both had a very different way of how it was going to go and i think it was That you picked a different team to win than I had. I don't honestly remember because that was way back in May. So yeah, yeah, it's been a a bit odd. (laughs) That's one way of putting it around
1: it that way, but we
2: got
0: there. Yeah, we still got to the, got to the finish line at the end of the day. So I suppose that's a positive thing. Uh, and also as far as Charleston's concerned, they're pretty much a lock at this point. They got three against Lexington. Three against York and three against Gastonia. That's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the Charleston is playing such good. It's amazing how how um, how awful they played in the first half compared to how insane they are in the second half. And and it's guy, and it's production from guys that you necessarily um. I mean, they're not. They don't hit for a ton of power as a team, but. They have they hit for a super high average, uh, and I think that that's what's really helped them in the second half. Maybe runners in scoring position they weren't so great in the first half that that kind of flipped in the second half. Um, I mean, sh- I mean, you, I mean, you look as far as uh, as far as batting average. Uh, I mean, they're right in the middle of the pack, uh, hitting 280s a team, but they're last in OPS uh, as well as uh, as well as being last in slugging percentage, and um, but. I mean, you look at, they're getting production from guys like Scott Kelly at the top of the order, and uh, Teodoro Martinez. Imagine if uh, I would
0: have told, told you back on May 1st that Scott Kelly is going to be an integral part to West Virginia's success this year.
1: I know. Uh, it, it, he's hes had an awesome year, and so has Teodoro Martinez. I mean, veterans like Alberto Chiaspo and Jimmy Paredes and... Espinal is hitting three oh nine. Edwin Espinal is hitting three oh nine. Olmo Rosario, who is a indie Paul legend, yeah. uh, is is hitting three hundred in his own right. I mean, they're getting hot at their, or they've been hot at the at, the, at uh, throughout this entire second half, uh, which is really really a credit to them and shows the 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 advantages sometimes of that two half system, where mm-hmm. you could play just. Awful in the first half, and turn it all—it slight gets whipped wait wipe, wiped clean, and you—I mean, the, the first half they went twenty-two and thirty-eight, by far the worst record in the league. Yeah, and then the second half they have by far the best record in the league.
0: You know, like I'm, I, I get that's the, incredible. Yeah, I get the point of the two half system in that sense. I still think though that it's a terrible system. You know. I think it just doesn't incentivize winning throughout the year. And I I'm just in the camp of winning the first half means nothing. You should have to hold on to it for the full year.
1: Well, what I would ar- what I would argue to counteract that is I like in the sense I, I like that teams, at least for their fans, have something to root for in the second half. Um I, I would almost rather have that uh, and listen, you're gonna get some oddities uh, with teams who have been like for example, let's say let's say that Southern Maryland were to get hot, they overtake Long Island, High Point gets knocked out. Yeah and at the and then so because and then at the end of the day you would have High Point who I guess and, and who I guess they might have the league's best record yep. at that point. And not and end up not making the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and which that would. The well, last time that si- happened was I think eighteen or no seventeen with Bridgeport.
1: Right, right. Yep. Uh, I mean the Rockers sixty and fifty at the moment. Uh, but that would that would really not be. Uh, that yeah maybe now I'm convincing myself the other way. How do you have yeah. the best team in, beta, uh, best in, team the, in the league season? and
0: not make the postseason? Like that is the argument alone for not using this system. It's it, like I said, plus it just doesn't incentivize teams to really try in the second half if you already have that first half down. Now of course the player's incentive is you don't want to be here, so you want to try and get your contract purchase to go elsewhere, sure, but realistically, you could just kinda of put her on cruise control for a while. And I just don't like that. I uh, again don't like the idea of you know having a team with the best record not make the postseason. I don't really like the idea uh, of really a first or second half champion alone. That just doesn't sit well with me to begin with. So,
1: yeah, I can understand that. And just quick correction: the Ducks yeah. have the best record in the uh, in the Atlantic League at the moment by about three games uh, over high point. Uh, so, but point still stands. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I that. That, yeah, I, I, if a team has the best record and they don't get in, that really sucks. Yeah. Um, that That's and, just
0: why I'm very much a pro of the, you win your division, you're in, and then use two wild cards. Hell, I'd even be open to this. If you want to have a first and second half wild card system, I'd be open to that, where the third best team or the best team of the... Uh, Of the first half is given a playoff spot.
1: Ooh, I don't mind that.
0: So you have one team that's guaranteed in, but you still have the incentive of winning your division. If you win your division, then that wild card spot becomes reopened, obviously. But if you don't win your division, then you're still fine. Because then at least it keeps up the competitive nature for the vast majority of the league, as opposed to two teams, just one team has that safety. Plus, it kind of ensures that, okay... The best team's not going to miss the postseason because there's at least one other wild card that will protect them.
1: But what if the the team who gets that first wild card ends up taking the division?
0: Then you open up the second wild card. So now they have the division champion spot, and you'd have a second wild card that'd be open. So the first wild card team is a division champion, so they're no longer the first wild card team.
1: So another wild card would open up.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So you wouldn't reward a team for winning the first half, but you would reward them for coming in second.
0: In a sense. uh, What would happen is if you win the first half, you're the best team in the league, you get a playoff spot. So now only one team has that playoff spot going into the second half. If the team that won that kind of playoff spot for the first half winds up winning their division, now it just goes to overall record to find that other wildcard team.
1: But I don't know how. So the best overall record would get it. Would get it. Yeah. So. The first half.
0: Yeah, the best overall record would get it.
1: Okay. All right. I I could I could get down with that.
0: Yeah. Essentially, it ensures the best team of the first half is in the postseason, and that the uh the best overall team is also in the postseason. It's essentially what the system does. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could. I, I could get down with that. But certainly would be tragic if high point were to miss the playoffs because of, of the system.
0: yeah would you know who else doesn't like this system? who our guest for next week?
1: Oh that is true yeah I thought right, that... well, I, mean, I feel I feel like at this point you could just say you could just say who the guest is though yeah
0: no I was trying to get into a nice little like transition into it but
1: uh. we'll definitely talk about it next
2: week. Yeah,
0: exactly. We're going to talk about all next week. We have Ryan from ALPB Roundup coming on the show. So he'll be pretty fun. We're going to do a whole little playoff primer and also uh, a whole, I guess, season recap up to this point as well, seeing as uh, we've all been very busy on the show covering other leagues and doing other things. So the Atlantically kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. So he's going to get us up to speed on that. He's going to get all of you up to speed on that as well. And uh, we're going to have a fun little discussion. So... We're finally Absolutely. gonna have another That's voice. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Yep, and we're gonna have another voice on the show, and I think this is gonna be the first time we've had someone on the show since we did the Frontier League preview with Dave, if I'm not mistaken. True. So it'll be nice. Be nice to change it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, that'll be that'll, that. That will be a lot of fun. He's a really, uh, he's a really smart guy. So who mm-hmm. does an awesome job uh, with ALPB roundup. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very interested to hear if he uh, what his thoughts are on the playoff system. I know he doesn't like the current one, but yeah. any uh, suggestions for a new one? Uh, oh boy, does he same
0: suggestions.
1: We could also talk some Gastonia. I know he does. I know he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I know he doesn't. He's not a fan of the Gastonia pitch usage either.
0: Then I will. I will say one thing though. I do question the the intelligence between trying to get to what was it like three or four games in like two days. Like I, yes. that that wasn't exactly the best decision, especially when it was raining like a like a son of a bitch too. <laughs> but right. but hey, you know, that that's a decision that's made and it's been made and it was entertaining for all of us, so I think it was a good decision in the end. Certainly. I think so. so. At this point I think we've kind of just began to rabble, so we should probably just wrap it up for the sake of brevity. Um if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at Indie Pod. you can do so on Instagram. At Indie Ball Report and at ALPB underscore news. You can also do so on the website, uh, indieballreport.com. You will find the show notes there, the episodes there, everything Indie Ball Report there, as well as all the articles we put up there as well. Uh, if you can and want to, you should follow the show on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Google Podcast, Amazon Music. And just about anywhere you find podcasts, like, rate, review the show, so that way we can continue to grow. Uh, That said, do we have anything else left to
1: add? A couple quick things I'd like to add. One, Rutgers football playing against Ohio State this weekend. I really do think they have a chance to win. They might lose by 40, and and I'm just going to look like an idiot. But I do think they have a chance to win. I think Ohio State, this is one of their weaker teams they've had in a while. Uh, and Rutgers, they, they almost took down Michigan at the big house last weekend. So I think coming back home uh, to a, a big, loud crowd, I, I'm hoping I, oh man, it's I, I'll be at the game Saturday night uh, or Saturday afternoon, 330 game. Uh, and oh man, the things I would do to, to make that to make that happen after years of losing. That would be, uh, and I know Nick is probably going to say that uh, they're going to lose by 40 because he hates Rutgers, but uh, I'm prepared for that. Two, Devils play the Rangers tonight in a preseason game. When you guys listen on Saturday, you will be able to, you you will know the results of that game. Clearly a very, very important contest uh, between the Devils and the Rangers. It's in the only important if we so.
0: win. If we don't win, it's preseason. If we win, then. It's
1: preseason. I mean, Blackwood's not playing tonight, so you guys will probably win. So, I mean, it's the preseason,
0: so I mean, who really knows? It doesn't really, you know. But
1: oh well. I mean, hey, Alexander Holt scored last uh, in our first preseason game, so that's uh, that's 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 exciting for me.
0: Artemi Panara made a fifty-foot backhand pass that was right on the tape. It was pretty cool to watch. He's in midseason form
1: against the Bruins.
0: Yep, right to Anthony Batetto. Who is now he's in Hartford. Very, he's,
1: he's very good at hockey. Yes,
0: <laughs> It's just it's so much fun there. As far as Ohio State goes, you do understand that the when you said almost won, that almost only does matter in horseshoes and hand grenades, right?
1: And the spread. <laughs>
0: okay. Fair point. Yeah.
1: Good teams win, great teams cover.
0: <laughs> you know, now you're inspiring me to put money down on Ohio State.
1: No, oh, you know what? You because should. I think they're going to beat should, it. You, oh, wait though. I think you can't bet on New Jersey college teams if you live in New Jersey. No I'm pretty sure that's a law.
0: Did Pennsylvania cover? or did Pennsylvania legalize uh, sports gambling? Because if so, I'm know. like an hour away from driving over the Delaware Gap. And then if, if I'm standing you in that PA, about it. if I'm standing in PA, I can do that.
1: Yeah, you can if it's legal, but yeah. I'm I'm not sure if it is don't
0: oh, no. let we Well, think about it. Uh, anywho, uh, I got one thing to add real quick. Uh, I wrote this down last week after we finished recording because I saw the Sabres were just screwing with Jack Eichel again. And let me just say that whole situation, honestly, is just comedic at this point. The Sabres are trying to market a dude that needs major neck surgery as healthy and fit to play, even though he just oh, failed his God. physical. So you're trying to get a healthy Jack Eichel price for a dude that's not going to be able to play for bare minimum after he gets the surgery eight weeks really you're gonna try and tell me that oh he'll be good to go by post-olympics don't worry about it just pay us full market price and assume that the surgery works fine he's like the player of old get the hell out of here no one's paying full market price and you're just gonna piss him off more by having him sit there really all you
1: he- wanted absolute mess
0: it's a joke of a team really like honestly people want to like mock the mets and stuff for how they do business the Sabres are a gong show, okay? Like, I, Honestly, at this point, and Sabre fans keep going, it's like Matt Duchesne, it's like Matt Duchesne. Sakic didn't sell low. The major difference is Matt Duchesne was able to play hockey when he was being shopped around. That's like a major kind of difference here. Likewise, Matt Duchesne did not have any sort of history of catastrophic injury. Jack Eichel has a catastrophic injury at the moment. And has a history of getting injured up to this point. When he's healthy, he's a top 10 player in the league. No doubt about it. It's just that if healthy part, that's very concerning. And it's not like it's, he tore an ACL or something where it's like, okay, this is a common sport injury. It's serious, but you can recover from that. You work the leg out. You can build up strength back. It could be fine. The dude needs a, needs a re- disc replacement in his neck. That's a yeah. serious surgery here. And it's quite clear, he's not doing the fusion. So, he's going to get the artificial disc. It's, this is a serious surgery for a contact athlete. So, it's like, look, just for the sake of the player, the sake of your organization, just trade the guy already. Take your two seconds in a, pro, or your two firsts in a prospect and get the hell out of here. Or at the very least, just, you're getting the trade offers you want. It's just the picks are conditioned on him playing just yeah. take that it's a fine offer i just the sabers are a gong show of a team and i you still compare
1: st- them to the mets they're way worse than the mets
0: true plus the mets have actually been to the postseason in the past decade
1: the met the mets are at least like a 500 team once in a while the sabers have all this dr- the sabers have all the mets like drama and they get the number one pick every year well actually they well, not all the time no they lose the lottery
0: well, that's how they, they won't win the, the spot you know, I just thank God that it's not Connor McDavid that's on Buffalo. Like, oh, sure, Edmonton's no. not much better, but it's still significantly different than Buffalo. And then yeah. I just think there's an opportunity there where Connor McDavid could have been a Leaf, and I don't like that reality one bit.
1: That wouldn't that wouldn't be very fun for us teams in the East, would it?
0: It wouldn't be, and also just for general hockeydom the Leafs getting a Gretzky-like player is just not something I want to experience because then it gets really annoying really quickly. Mm -hmm. Which, last point here before I wrap this up. You do know that Austin Matthews was only like a couple of days away from being eligible for that 2015 draft class. So it would have been, your one, two, three would have been McDavid Eichel Matthews.
1: Goodness gracious.
0: I think that's a stacked draft class. Plus, keep in mind, 15 was also the Barzal, Besser, Kyle Connor, Thomas Chabot. Um, who else was there? Uh, there was. If you go back and look, actually, if you want to have some fun for non-NHL fans, go look up the 20, and even NHL fans, go look up the 2015 NHL draft class, and then just look at it. It's really something else. It's like the 03 draft class, to be quite honest. But. Anywho, I think that's all I got to say. You got anything else to say, or are we done here?
1: I think we're
2: pretty much done.
1: All
0: right, then. So we'll wrap up this show like we always do. Don't forget to play ball.